The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this, the parade? Move these people back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face, especially if I'm sad on it. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're back with your host, Art Hall, here, your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and diplomat of the disturbing. And peculiar is an understatement for today's gem. We are here to talk about the 1987 mega what-the-fuck-was-I-just-watching movie called Miami Connection, directed by Wu Sang Park, who went by Richard Park for this, starring Y.K. Kim. And I have so much to say about him. But before we get into that, <clears throat> let me introduce my guest extraordinaire, old friend, fellow cinephile, and just all around dapper son of a bitch. His name is Sean Owens. Sean, how are you doing? You beautiful bastard, you. I am so happy to be on this show. You have introduced me to so much subversive cinema. I just, I continually thank you for that. So, Well, I, I think, I'm trying to remember, I thought you introduced me to this movie. Isn't that correct? I believe that's true. And I think it was just uh, coming across an article about how it was discovered by someone in the Alamo Draft House and how it came to become known again uh, from its beautiful two week run uh, originally in Miami and then disappeared <laughs> and then was, you know, just set to disappear forever. Um, and then some beautiful person from, uh, from Alamo draft house had, had sort of bought a, and, and I'm sorry if this is like in your research that you're going to come up. Oh, with there's so many things, but feel free. I'm, I'm always Peter. happy to have somebody else share some information too. So absolutely. Okay. okay. So as far as I understood it, if I remember it correctly, um, someone from Alamo Draft House who um, was prone to buy old VHS and film reels. Um, there was a very, very brief description of what was on these reels, and he bought them sight unseen, ran them through the projector with no one else around, and realized instantly the gold that he had found. Oh, yes. And he got it for amazingly $35. What a deal. <laughs> and and I also like how when he saw this, he's like, dude, this is amazing. And he reached out to YK Kim to find out, you know, more. And the poor guy actually thought it was a joke. He thought he was being punked and trolled. <clears throat> so it took a while for him to get the trust. <laughs> but uh, eventually he, he relented and they, they they gave it a second life and here it is. And, and the world's a better place for it. It is, it is. By the way, speaking of better places, it's a better place because of not just the fun light of it and the energy, but also the goddamn music. And you, sir, if only this is a video podcast, you are wearing a great shirt. Tell me about your shirt. Oh, well, um, it was actually not because I was going to be doing this podcast with you. <laughs> uh, although I'm glad I have it now, yes. but I got my I got my first Dragon Sound shirt that I'm very proud of because I showed a uh, a lady friend of mine. We'll just put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we I I showed her this movie and it blew her mind, and she again thanked me for um, making her aware of the song Friends Forever. So or Friends, I guess it's just called Friends, right? Um, you Friends know, I, I don't even know what the official title is. <laughs> I, I could tell you that I, uh, the one great piece of information is that this soundtrack is available on Apple iTunes. Yes. So you yes. can enjoy all these tracks, which is Friends is one of them. And the other major fuck off song is Against the Ninja. <laughs> but we'll we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> we have so much to cover. <laughs> but yes, I'm very proud of my Dragon Sound shirt. And it's sort of one of those things that if you wear it and somebody just gives you the eye and a little wink or the or the eyebrow goes up. It's just sort of, if you know, you know. That's true. That is so true. And now I need to get myself a <laughs> sound shirt. I'm cutting off the sleeves, by the way. After oh, this, yes. I'm oh, my God. And yes. I, will have, I will be sleepless. Oh, you're going to be a regular John. I love it. And we'll get into that. So <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, okay. Miami Connection. <laughs> Uh, the only part of this that has anything to do with Miami is the very beginning where we see a drug deal hijacked by a group of motorcycle 
ninjas. They take the coke, they take the money, then they go back to Central Florida where the rest of the story goes on. So I guess the Miami connection is that first few minutes. Other than that, it's a story about a quite little suburb of Miami known as Orlando. So (laughs) we have this biker gang that took these drugs. Now they're connected to this douchebag who runs a club or at least goes to this club where Dragon Sound are heroes, which are this group of martial artists, musicians who play this club. They, they, have, they have two songs to their roster and that's all they ever play. And apparently the people love them. And no matter what these guys do, they're just nothing but kind-hearted. They seem to always step in someone else's shit. So if, you know, if it's not one of the guys dating the, the, um, the club dude's sister, played by Kathy Collier, her name's Jane. Then, you know, it's this other group who was the band that used to play that got fired that now wants to kick their ass. So it's like this amazing story of these really kind, nice uh, and self-proclaimed orphans who just keep getting things thrown at them no matter what. And what starts as innocent self-defense quickly devolves into some downright brutal murder (laughs) in, in the marshes of Orlando. So let's go down this journey. Let's talk about, there's so many memorable characters. So who to you, Sean, was a very memorable character or two and why? Um, well, <laughs> I, I first I'm going to say Jim. I love Jim. Jim played by Maurice Smith. God damn it. Yes. I love Jim so much. He is one of the members of Dragon Sound. And, um, you know, apparently all of them, it, it doesn't come up till like second act or midway through the movie. Apparently they're all orphans. Right. Um, I felt like it was an ADR line that they jammed in later because it was off camera just to explain why it's such a big deal that he's finding his dad. No, actually, the first time that he gets a letter, which, by the way, what is what is in that first letter? He never he just crumples it up. He never explains. Oh, do you mean perhaps this scene right here? Okay, well, okay. You can have Give it. Give me the letter get, now. Get it. Grab it. Give me the letter. Oh, try again. Now. What? Jeez, you guys, what's going on what's out going here? On here? What, what are you trying on? to do? Wake up the neighbors? Need to get some work done. You could have had enough done from that street. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's going on here? You guys trying to wake up the neighbors or what? How many times do we have to say the same line in different takes? What's going on here? What are you guys doing? Trying to wake up the neighbors? Let's do another camera angle. What's going on here? What are you guys doing? Trying to wake up the neighbors? But that screeching shrill voice of give me the letter, that was wonderful Jim, and I love him. That was Jim, and so I am very confused about what was in that first letter that he instantly crumples up. Yes. But but after he does that, YK Kim on camera, actually, I did a refresher, YK Kim on camera mentions that they are all orphans. Does he? I must have missed it. Maybe I was yeah. writing a note or something when he said it, because I thought it was later on. Yeah, it wasn't 80. I mean, first of all, when you say it was ADR line, 75% of this movie are ADR lines. Well, that, that's even a valid though, point, yes. <laughs> even though they are on camera, uh, for people that, that don't know, ADR is additional dialogue recording. So it's when you don't get proper sound on set with either the boom mic or a body mic. You have to go back in a in a voiceover booth and try to match your lips. Uh, Art and I have probably done this a million times uh, and and match your dialogue. And it seems like they the, the director just went back and was like, you know what? Most of this sound is shit, so we're just gonna have to ADR it. Uh, I agree. Sorry, I was looking so intently at the at the camera. I was just trying okay. to think if this is the sequence we're talking about. Oh, yeah, this is it. This is this is the line. Sorry, this is the line that I thought came later in the movie, but it was right here. This is your real father? Yes, it is. Are you sure? I didn't know you had a father. I thought we are all orphans. But it's it's it, but you know why? Because it, that that particular line felt so present on the mic. I felt that they had to put that in later because you know it was like I don't know. Right. He's looking at this photo in the living room. Everyone, by the way, they never wear their shirts. Uh, they, no, except for YK, and no, no shirts allowed. But YK, but yeah, it's so funny because YK does wear the shirt, and um, it's like, look, I understand why John doesn't wear a shirt. He's he's pretty shredded, but 
Jim, poor Jim. He's like the fat kid of the group and he's not fat by the way, everybody. He is, they're all in good shape, but he, um, he, I would, I would kill to be in Jim. Uh, I know. Seriously, seriously. But now that, that brings me to my question about, about the actor Maurice. Yes. I am very confused after looking up Maurice Smith, AKA Jim on the yes. internet because, <laughs> because half of the articles that I references that I saw are saying that he is now this huge buff mixed mar- martial artist kickboxer champion. Weird because I actually have heard the opposite. Now that now this is old data probably, but it's that he went on to just have a very flourishing career as a salesman. That he just left acting entirely. You um, know what? I you know what, Art, you are correct. And and I and the internet sort of like mixed that search pattern for me uh, because there was a reunion of Dragon Sound at one of the big- Alamo Draft House things or something? Yeah. Or? yeah. And they all, he, this guy clearly was not the giant guy that I was. <laughs> yeah, from what I see, he uh, he never went on to act again. Instead, he went on and went into sales. He worked in uh, business equipment, radio advertising, and merchant services. And he's a VP for a live streamed online broadcasting platform. Well, thank you for answering that question. Because I was like, how did all this time go by and I not know- that this guy was like a kickboxing champion. So, I know, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, and that would be kind of funny because then, you know, if we're going to talk about the quality of the martial arts we're watching, which one of the fun things about this movie is, so nobody here was a professional in any measure. YK Kim owned a bunch of martial arts schools in Florida. He had money. He finances film along with Wusang Park. And all the actors who are in it that are part of Dragon Sound are his students. So you can see based on how much work they gave each person, who was the better student. So clearly um, the guy who played John, let's see, what was his name? Vincent Hirsch was the well, probably top of his class. And, and poor Maurice was definitely one of the lower in the class because his fight, his fight scenes were not that good, <laughs> but he certainly tried. Everybody tried. So it's just fun how this is literally a group of people who had no no knowledge of this industry and this business. Now the director, he had made some films. And from what I saw, it looks like there were a lot, if not all of them in Korea, but at least, you know, and they had a crew and they shot this on film, but it's like you had the guy who, one of the guys who, um, who the guy who played Jack was one of the writers. <laughs> YK Kim was the other writer. Wait, now which one is Jack again? Art? Jack, I, if I'm here's the funny thing, everybody. So the character names are as basic as shit, right? Yeah, we have Mark. Very confusing. We have Tom. Then ready for the J's, we have John, Jack, Jim, Jane, Jeff. So apparently right. there was some sort of alliterative hard on here. So Joseph Diamond was the guy who wrote it and he played Jack. So I believe if I'm remembering correctly, Jack was the one who said that he was from, or his parents were from Israel. Gotcha. Yep. So it's that guy. Um, Maurice played Jim. Vincent Hirsch played John, who I just like to call him, um, you know, karate lurch because he was the tallest lanky motherfucker. I was literally, if you asked me about him, I was going to say it's lurch if someone convinced him he was really funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, then we have the real life boyfriend girlfriend duo, Angelo Gennati and Kathy Collier. I mentioned her earlier. She played Jane. And Angelo plays the fifth member of this cadre, uh, Tom. Now, the music that Dragon Sound plays is their music. So when you watch the band play, YK Kim does not know what the fuck he's doing with a guitar. He's just like doing this weird sort of like slapping it motion he's using a guitar like a machine looks like he's firing a machine trying to fire a machine gun yeah he's just like me, 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 me. you know he's trying to do something but angelo the guy with the porn stash he and his girlfriend at the time they wrote the songs and they performed it so that's why it looks like he can he's actually singing the words she's singing the words and he can actually hit the guitar melodies and everything uh fun little fact was you know because they were dating yet Vincent Hirsch is making out with this guy's girlfriend. Whenever they got to shoot those scenes, they just sent him off to go buy beer for the crew. I, by the way, I've been there. I did a student film when I was in college. It was a friend student film and he cast me and another one of our best friends, girlfriend together in a love scene. And we ah. just, 
we just we sent him off for coffee or whatever and then we quickly filmed the thing and that, it wasn't like wasn't gratuitous but it was just uncomfortable right of course that's all you can do that's all you can do uh, by the way i'm blown away that they actually like some of these people that you see performing in dragon sound it's their music and they're actually performing on the audio because yeah it everything about it screams that they're they just got a group of people together that know nothing about me maybe it's the other you know the other members of dragon sound that didn't write the songs and perform yeah. that are like taking away all the focus and making you think wow none of these people have ever picked up an instrument in their life that's 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 i think very accurate so i feel that is why they really tried to focus more on tom when he was playing the guitar or strictly jane when she was singing because everybody else was just faking it until they make it but i will say that jim did a pretty decent faking on the keyboard and you know shit dude they tucked jack in the back so you know you're half the time i wasn't sure if he was playing no jim um john played the drum uh the bass jack played the drums i think and you couldn't really see what he was done. Those everything was fine with those guys, but man, YK Kim. Oh my! On God. rhythm guitar, he was too close. Yeah. You could see yeah. <laughs> he just didn't know what he was doing. It was wonderful. Yeah. And by uh, the way, did they just a side question? Did they say did that? I'll start that again. <laughs> I can speak. It's my first drink of the night. I swear. Of course. Um, did they send Jane away when Tom had to be pushed into Beach Girls boobs or? <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't read that, but I bet you they probably let her watch and laugh because he, he looked as, as sexy and skilled as a turtle. Wow. Um, it was, there was, man, there's so many things. God, uh, I, the show could just go on for hours and hours, but we won't. Don't worry about that. So my pick, I have to go back to John because <laughs> out of all the characters, John has the clearest arc. In the very beginning, he is a dude who clearly he knows how to fight. He's known this the entire movie. It's not like they suddenly have like, we need a montage moment. And then they suddenly learn karate. They know how to fight the whole time. In the beginning, he takes a punch to the face. By the end of it, he's fucking Riverbend fighting Rambo style. He's ripping his shirt off. He's got a samurai sword. And he is murdering people with impunity. So talk about a fucking arc. I agree. I mean, I have to give John credit for that. Out of all the characters, he has the, the clearest arc. Yeah, I mean, and it's so funny because I wonder if they, after a while they're like, you know, there's something about him that just photographs well, and it could be the eight-pack of abs. I'm not sure, but let's just give him a sword, splash him with blood, and make him go fucking nuts. I love when he goes ape shit. I love when he just goes crazy on everybody and just, uh, like you said, with impunity, slays ninjas. But... Um, and I also, I love that they walk away from that crime scene and there is not one police officer interviewing them. There is oh, of course. They get away from that, yet the cops show up for like a little rumble in the junkyard. Right, right. yeah, a little old West Side Story rumble. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> the only um, thing missing was snapping and a couple dance moves. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> About the oh, murders. Yeah, no, no. When John's six-pack is covered with clothing, Yes. Unfortunately, then your focus goes to John's quote unquote acting. And that is a, that is an issue. Well, if it's not his acting, then it's a very serious case of overcrowding with his teeth. I mean, that this it's, it's look, if he had braces, he would be a handsome son of a bitch. But uh, otherwise, I would kill to have his body. Yes. But if you gave me the choice between being meet my personality <laughs> my skill level yeah. and and or being having that body but being how like coming off how he comes off i i'm happy to be myself i'm very happy to be me well i would i would hope because if you would have traded off then that would have been the last movie ever made exactly so. <laughs> right there's no longevity in being john <laughs> that's true john did have a a, a role in something that came 13 years earlier so he must have been a child practically wow. uh called go shushi duan um i'm not uh, that's a, that's an, apparently an hour and 15 minute movie so that's ah it's it's english name is dragons never die 
I feel like this might be something we need to see. Yeah, dragons are like heavy in his professional life. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I never would have known that there was such a vibrant martial arts culture in Central Florida is another thing. I would have never guessed that. You know, you learn something new every day. So those are our characters that we're going to fo- talk about. And, uh, you know, but look, there's a there's a ton of them. I mean, you got, you know, Jane's douchebag brother, Jeff, because why not name your kids Jane and Jeff? Which is who, also like, what is his motivation? He's a little too into his sister. Dude, he's and he's just constantly, I don't know, he's just constantly this douchebag. You know, he reminded me of he reminded me of um, the guy in. <laughs> In Die Hard, can't remember his name. The, the guy who sells, oh, you know, he's like Bubby, you Alex. know, that yeah, yeah, he reminded me of him. Uh, this, oh, by the way, you had a fun um cameo from the director as Uncle Song, the fellow who owns the restaurant and uh feeds them constantly. And he also is proficient in martial arts, he is. And by the way, though, he was probably the most ripped dude on the entire cast. I don't know if you saw after the fight scene when he comes back in and they're saying. Oh, you you handle them very well. And he just like moves his hand up to scratch and he just this bicep just rips out of his fucking arm like nowhere. It's like, whoa, this dude is jacked for like a 60 year old. Could not be happier in that scene when he had to fight those those ruffians. Oh yeah. No, he had could so much fun. Could not be happier that the guy with the shortest shorts ever known to man did not have to kick in that fight. Yes, because you can well, you can also see. That if, if he moved his leg up a little bit, then this movie would have quickly traversed in the NC-17 territory for if the time. If he had to go into a stance, oh yeah, R rating, then literally just nothing but Wang <laughs> hanging out from those shorts. So, all right. Well, speaking of Wang, let's move on to the next. Let's talk a little bit about the story. I gave a quick rundown in the beginning, but let's try to figure this out, Sean. Does this would- story make sense? I would love to decipher this with you. I will. I want to. I want to. I want to crack the code because I'm not entirely sure. I know what is happening. Um, no, like I mean, well, like I mean, a, oh, you have this. No, you just have this band of martial artists who play music, who try to stay on their side of the road, and no matter what they do, trouble comes to them, which is always interesting. It's sort of like taking the save the cat archetype of the dude with a problem. Sure. But this sure. time you got five dudes with a problem and it keeps coming at them from biker ninjas to this, you know, <laughs> this drugged out guy who who's always at the club or this ex band that I mentioned earlier, who is just full of assholes who, oh, by the way, I love how when everybody in this movie fights, they all fight with a martial arts style, even when they clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing. They also have that very early days acting class thing where yes. um, if you're supposed to be upset or angry or there is a confrontation, um, that trap that people fall into very, oh. you know, very early in their careers where all they do is yell their lines. Dude, one. you are reading my fucking mind because I have a clip that I want to play that I actually called flat out because I was like, ah, acting. Perfect. <laughs> so this is when the band that got fired, then their band leader goes to the club to confront the owner of the club for this decision to change the lineup. Let's see how they handle conflict in this. What are you in here for, man? Waste my time? Bitch. I thought I fired you. What? Dude, yeah, you fired me one because of the goddamn dragon sound. That's bullshit. They came in here to play goddamn songs for kids. Now, who are you bullshit? They play a lot better than you, man. You play music for old people. Music. Your music's for old hey, people, look, buddy. Hey, look, man, you don't know what music's all about. I tell you what, are you deaf? You sure don't know how to play, I tell you that. That's my ass. Got it? Ooh. Tell me, That's it, man. buddy. You're, You're full of shit. You want to go out of here and play it, man? And cue the fight. <laughs> but, <laughs> By the way, favorite read in that is they they let them in. They, there's all the, there are all these spots in this movie where where the director said we want you to improv. Yes, fight. yes, there's so many improv fighting. We want you to imp. They let they let no one's an actor in a trained actor in this movie. Nope. <laughs> and, so, and so they when you let people improv, you know the editing probably has to be better and they're and they sort of they let them improv in these stagnant camera shots and you see all of the flaws of allowing that to happen including the guy who just said you don't even know that bullshit like that's not a that's not a thought that's not a complete (laughs) sentence and that's not a written line clearly 
yeah. Dude, there's many times where they just sort of let them run free on like saying, okay, you boys be boys, essentially. But what I love about this scene is they walk towards each other so slowly, as you heard, just walk, walk, walk. It's almost a soccer. Yeah. That you would expect them to start just like, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I came here to talk to you about, but no, they just take it literally. They just slam that dial all the way up to 11. They sure do. Man. And I'm just glad you mentioned that. We're on the same page. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. But okay. But as far as story. Yes. Yes. Let's get back to trying to figure out what the hell's happening here. Well, first of all, I love the first timers that I show this to. They're sort of like, they they're like wait why is what's the miami connection again because after like you mentioned after that (laughs) yeah it's not you know the french connection has a solid reason for that title sure you know what i mean there is the drugs are coming from from france and it is it is you were reminded of it within the script several times in the movie yes by the second or third scene you're like we're in orlando when are we going to miami what's and we never go back yeah and the only connection is the fact that motorcycle guy stole drugs from this other group that we never hear from again and that's it wait okay wait a minute are you talking about the, the first scene the very first scene when the ninjas go in and I'm trying to find um the motorcycle ninja guys mm-hmm. steal it from a group that we never see again. Yeah, Yoshido is the the bad guy's name. Yoshido and his biker gang, which we'll get into that in a second. Um they head down, they do their sneak ninja attack, they take the drugs and then they go back and just when, you know, you think he's going to start cutting some heads off because he's like, you stupid fucks, you didn't get the money. And then he throws the money on the table. Money. And then that's it. We never hear from this mafia or whatever the fuck they are again. I don't even think they're credited. I'm looking at the credits right now. And what is currently listed is pretty emaciated compared to what you so there's no So there's no guy with sweet silk members only jacket ah you know what actually sorry there he is guy with sweet silk members only jacket there you go i knew it i knew it (laughs) uh but no my main question with the plot and it not making sense is and 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 maybe i i'm laughing so hard whenever i watch this and enjoying it so much it's just an experience that i'm not getting into the nitty-gritty but am i missing how dragon sound as the one member of Dragon Sound describes the stu- them and their stupid cocaine. Um, how does Dragon? Okay, so like I understand the three groups. Uh, there you have the Ninja Motorcycle Gang. Mm-hmm. Then you have two groups coming to the Ninja Motorcycle Gang about their beef with Dragon Sound. Yes, so you have the brother. Uh, of 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 that john is dating his sister and he's very mad about that almost to an incestuous weird creepy level yeah it's it's a little little weird yeah and and uh and he has a gang of uh people that work out at a gym only in jeans oh not just jeans but camo gear camo gear jeans with no i made a comment about that too i just wanted to share i noticed that um it's it, whenever I watched those sequences in his gym, it was like watching like Cobra Kai meets a bad Guns N' Roses video. <laughs> I mean, you got like that one dude who looks like he's got some meth mouth kicking the blonde dude. He's oh, like the, 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 the cutoff shirt. Guy. Yeah. Cutoff shirt. Well, which tweaker? one? There's so many cutoff shirts, but no, it's I know the, the one real, you're talking the about. The real tweaker with the, yeah, leather. the tweaker Axl Rose. Yeah. And then you got, you know, then you got his best friend. Who's like four times his size. And again, they're never wearing shirts. Although, by the way, when when the big biker, when the big guy is wearing shirts, there are two scenes where part of his outfit is just a a, a noose around his neck. <laughs> that is that is a fashion statement. That is just class. But sorry, continue on. So yes, you let's okay. let's keep unpacking this. So you're right. You have you have okay. bro Jim guys, which is headed by Jeff. And then, you have, and then you have the and then you have the uh, the the competing band, which we just heard a clip of uh, doing yelling acting. Yes. Um, you, you have that band and they're they're going to the gym guys. And so sort of all these three groups 
are converging to defeat our heroes, Dragon Sound. But I guess my main question about why this plot doesn't make sense, or maybe I missed it, how does Dragon Sound know anything at all about their stupid cocaine trafficking? I would venture that that is a work by the writing gods. <laughs> they have just been imbued with omniscience to know that, dude, if you are like these people, it's probably because of cocaine. And cocaine is a serious problem. So it's like sort of they're probably it's it's implied that they're a known drug gang. I'm assuming that's what it is, is that they I think that that's there is, you know, it's a small town, <laughs> quote unquote, Orlando, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so you have um, you know, they work at the they play this club, which they got through an agent. They didn't even know how they got, which oh my god, there's so many issues right there. I'm sorry, I'm I'm railroading inside on this one, but I love how. They play, this band plays in this club as a job to pay for school, which we never see them go to. And later on, when they're ready to get Jim his suit to meet his father, they ask, what does everybody have in the bank? And they have a grand total of $310 between three of them. So how the fuck are you paying for college at the University of Central Florida while playing a few gigs and I don't know. Anyway, sorry, that's just. Too By big. the way, to that point, I love that they're 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 planning a world tour and they have three hundred and ten. They're they are planning a world tour to play. You know where all their families come from, from Israel to Ireland to uh, wherever the fuck uh, they said they were going to go next. I guess Korea and then some yeah, other I mean, it, you know, Italy. That's it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Wow. Wow. Uh, I could just going back to this. I think that they just play this club and it's probably the epicenter of the cultural world. And this is just that element that runs through. And they got, hey, it was the 80s. The 80s. I know, but I just synonymous I with cocaine. But but going to 80s action movie tropes, I just, you know, the writer in me cannot help but think one scene where one Dragon Sound member discovered a bag of cocaine. Like that's true would have just sent this movie into a totally different like centered uh narrative for me yes that is also true very true you know they they, they stumbled onto something they had no business knowing and now that's why the ninja motorcycle gang thinks they're a threat ah uh, see now that would have made sense but um, that's just not how it went. No. So there's that. <laughs> um, talking about logic holes in this, um, another one that struck me financially wasn't, in, again, involving the rock band leader. So when he goes to, to plea with, um, uh, I, think, I think he went to plea with Jeff, unless he went directly to Yoshido. Uh, he makes this thing saying, look, if you get our old job back so we can play, we'll give you all the money. Wait, wait, wait. How does this deal work? So if you're doing it just for fun, you're not that upset to, to start street brawls with the other band who got your slot. Apparently. So if, you're, if you're going to all this trouble, why are you giving away 100% of your profits? Yes, I'm not quite sure. Um, and one thing I will also say is that never has uh, um, the act of catcalling been so oddly endearing as when the guys were just driving down the beach, apparently. I don't know. Let's see what this sounds like. Ooh, Make it with Rockstar. Hey, baby. Look good, hey. Buns like those down at the bakery. Okay, that's you got to go out on. They don't make buns like that down at the bakery. Okay, you can clearly tell that they ADR that specifically when they're like, okay, we're just going to show you what we filmed, and I just want you to comment on it. We do not condone catcalling without without consent. That's just rude, by the way. It's, it's yeah, it's kind of the lowest form of one-sided communication so that's true but i will say that when you're watching a group of guys who look like they are the karate versions of revenge of the nerds it kind of takes some of the sting out of the whole thing so 
it, it does because you're just laughing at them and and also i mean if we can say they are they all look 35 or 40 and they're yes. supposed to be dudes and i don't mean the 80s trope of yes of course in all the major movies in the 80s they use 25 to 30 year olds to play high school students that that had a youthful look no 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 real life these people would never be mistaken on any in any shape or form as college students no definitely not i gotta love the guy's tenacity but yk kim is most definitely not college age that's for sure he looks better now <laughs> jesus christ that's that's saying something no he really does he looks more healthy and like vibrant now than ever because oh, i mean it's you know at this point we're going on 24 years so sorry what am i saying 24 34 years so yeah but he but you know he still he still has that you can do anything if you put your mind to it spirit that really keeps yeah. people coming back to him well you know at the time of this movie he was about 30 years old so you know maybe there's that and uh and uh, our buddy uh john he was about 28 so yeah everybody's a little older than they should be but you know what let's just call this we don't know what the fucking story is doesn't make any sense but one thing i do know that i love which is leading us directly into the next and final segment which is the what the fuck factor as we try to decipher this subversive message here is this movie is bookended by just fantastic violence the beginning has somebody's arm getting chopped off in a graphic way and it ends with heads rolling faces getting split open it is like they had two directors they had the first director who just did all the stuff in the middle which is the fun you know after school special stuff and then they brought in sam raimi to do the remainder of the shoots and said <laughs> let's just destroy some shit so what sort of what the fuck moments jumped out to you in this that were particularly memorable other there, than some of the ones already mentioned? There are so many bat shit choices in this that that, yeah, you can barely describe the 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 plot to people that haven't seen it. It's just something you have to experience for yourself. But um, and definitely do it with friends because it's just going to be a night you'll never forget. But yes. there are so many bat shit choices in dialogue in you know the acting is insane um and in story but for me it's mostly line readings that I, i'll just I, you know I, i'm sure i'm sure you have i know you have clips of certain things and i don't mean to step on any oh toes. dude if you have anything in particular please let me know i'm happy to play it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do like a very quick rundown uh the brother he's he's a friend a friend is one of the first line readings that makes me laugh really hard. A friend! Um, and, then, and then, of course, you have Jim's oh, amazing, like, I'm just going to use it for auditions till the day I die. His, the, one of the most amazing monologues ever about his dad. Yes. Um, that's incredible. Um, and then another Jim, this is why I love Jim, another Jim scene where he finds a letter. They finally found his dad. And he's like, I found my dad found my dad he's all by himself oh my god uh yes you mean the one that uh i featured on on the instagram channel yes <laughs> it's uh it's, it's memorable um and uh and and then you know just random things like these guys know an awful lot about their dads and where they're from for being or for being orphans that is a valid point uh they uh the cops after they miss the like sort of west side story rumble they're like we got to get rid of these gangs. Yeah, you said it. Like, I mean, it's it's a cop, it's basically a cop saying we should do something about this crime. Yeah, I think we should do something about this crime. And then, and then my, away. my favorite just batshit choice is the first letter, which we don't really know the contents of. You played a clip from from give me the letter. Uh, <laughs> you see a picture of his of his dad yes. when, when he was in the Air Force or Navy or whatever it was. And it's an older african-american gentleman that looks like he could be his dad sure we get to the last scene it is a not only a different actor but it is an actor who looks at least the same age as jim with just powder, a little bit of gray powder in his hair <laughs> talcum powder in his hair that is dripping onto his ears 
it's one of the funniest surprise twists of casting I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. It happened so quickly. I didn't even notice it, but I'm looking back at it right now. And that is not the same dude. <laughs> and he's the same age, essentially, as his son, looking wise. I mean, he just like, it's incredible. Uh, but- I, um, <laughs> one, <laughs> one sequence that I, I really liked because it just came out of seemingly nowhere. Now, perhaps this is part of the story. It was uh, about two thirds of the way through when Yoshido is bringing his biker gang up north i'm guessing unless they're just cruising through orlando i'm I'm, maybe i'm giving this movie too much credit for thinking but uh, i found out that you know he's he's in there his gang has suddenly grown exponentially um so in the beginning you see that he's got these ninjas who also ride motorcycles now as you start to get his core group down you see there's probably about four or five that are faces that are recognizable that do the ninja stuff with him and then you have this sequence about 52 minutes in where there's, I don't know, 50 to 60 bikers. And first of all, none of them look like they could do karate. This is just, I'm just going to call it out. These, this is straight up a beer body. And these people have huge beards. They look worse for wear. They do not look like they can be possibly part of his ninja crew. And the reason is because they're not. These are actually real bikers that they hired with beer as payment. They said, hey, y'all, you want to come out and be part of our movie? We'll pay you in beer. And it shows because in every single scene, (laughs) Yoshido, it's like he's out of character. He's like no longer acting. Now you just have like the, the actor himself. Yes. Uh, C. Joe, who's just talking to these random people while women are pulling out their boobies and they're all drinking from plastic cups and uh, uh, art old ladies. In the yeah, they sorry, that's the old lady boobs. Yep, the old ladies are bringing out their boobies, and uh, it it this scene goes on for about two, almost three minutes before some other biker gang members show up who are also not part of his gang this is such a weird sequence to me it was just tonally so different but at the same time you know what it was it was the most real part of the entire movie and because they weren't fucking actors and it featured the incredible song tough guy so ah yeah well you know maybe we just need to hear uh, hear hear a bit of that don't we uh let's see Okay, so wow. now we know the formula to be a tough guy. Wow. Um, I love, sh- I just I just like not trusting the audience and being like, you know what? We, we're showing a bunch of tough guys. We need something to really emphasize this. Yeah, we need to, we need to just drive it home that these guys are serious. Yeah. They are just, tough. You know what? Actually, Friends, the, which is my favorite song, The Dragon yes. Trooper, is is also very like uh it's 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 selling the narrative of like we are all friends we're best friends we're buddies we're never going to be like it's yeah. it's setting you up for the fact that when you finally see oh they're all just living shirtless together in a house together and sleeping on u-haul blankets yeah i mean it's funny though because that does take me back to when i truly was in college you know i mean that's the sort of shit we did but i did just you, wasn't 30 at the time but did you feed grapes no and that was such a weird thing where like yk kim it's like he's really tipping his hand at having more of a father-like or or almost a a bit of a higher level than these guys in his relationship because he is doing things like that he is feeding them grapes he is like kind of tussing hair and tickling and then there's that whole sequence where it's like the least engaging an interesting montage of quote-unquote training where he's doing a kata for like a minute and a half and then he brings up each guy to do a round of sparring yeah and i'd almost swear if it wasn't for the lack of acting lighting and and framing i was watching like a 
pt anderson movie where it was just gonna yeah. hang on a long take of just what's happening in life you know absolutely absolutely like that that sequence where they're just sort of those three guys on the campus are just training with their their taekwondo is certainly feels like the 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 filler moment where everything just stops dead and then you have these static shots for minutes on end of them doing taekwondo but tough guys or the or the biker sequence that you just mentioned is so entertaining because yeah. it, it, it is a it is a uh, oh god there's a spotlight on a subculture at a certain yes. in a certain place that's fascinating oh absolutely and it it, it breaks in, into the realm of almost documentary when you just have like this one dude who's just clearly shit faced just sitting at the bar and you're just looking guy at with his the, eyes guy with a couple of the bottom yep. teeth that oh how did i know out of, they show a hundred people. That's, and, that's the one. Yeah, I knew exactly who you're talking about because the last time I saw it, I said that guy was dead within two years. Dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, I got another couple things to talk about, but I just need to hear this really quick. Oh, against the ninja. God damn. Okay. I'm, I'm now I'm recharged. I'm ready to power through the rest of this. So yeah. A what the fuck moment that occurred to me was right near the end. So you've got Jim who gets cut, right? And then right across the, brand right across tie. the chest. And right he's that brand new tie. That really, uh, dude, that was actually such a great detail though, is that they cut the tie. Like they could have totally left the tie intact and then had the shirt all fucked up because I've seen that sort of shit in movies before, but man, they, they, they went for it. So what, what, what I thought was really funny was how they go and they have the, the pre-climax fight at this construction site where the brother, the the dick, Jeff falls off a building and dies. And then there's seemingly this weird little time lapse where we don't really know how long has been, but apparently Jane has been away from John for a bit. And then, you know, he comes back. They've just got, um, you know, Jimmy, his suit. And she's like there to, you know, do a mea culpa and, and make amends. And you, he's got the puppy dog eyes and she goes up and she first of all hooks Jim. And then uh, she comes over and holds John's hand, which, by the way, he gets introduced. He gets introduced. Oh, I love the Jim that like it's Jim is it's like, normal. here's John. A nor yes, a normal scene where two lovers are finally seeing each other again. And but there's Jim with like hands on both shoulders, kind of pushing them together. Here, here's Sean. Here's Sean. Yep. Well, here, let's uh, let's let's hear that worked out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, did you you great. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Great. So good. You must be so happy. I am. I am. It's John. <laughs> yeah, I am. You may I am. not recognize him after 10 days, but here's oh, John. That, you know, that's such a room thing, isn't it? Be like, oh, hi, Johnny. You're my favorite yeah. customer. I didn't recognize you. Um, so I just love that that happened. But then I like that she goes on, and this is this is how they, they reconnect. After, by the way, her fucking brother just died. I'm sorry I've been gone so long. I had a lot of thinking to do. I'm hurting inside, you know. And I just couldn't stay away for long because I love you so much. I'm so sorry about what happened. I felt so bad about that. It's not your fault. I understand. You had to do it. You had no choice. I understand. It's all over now. It's true. It's okay. We're happy for Jim. Wow. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Forgiven. I, I had to kill your brother. There was nothing about I I look, I understand. But hey, Jim's got his dad back, so that's cool. Essentially, it was I murdered your brother, and she's like, "Shit happens." Yeah, that's just what it is. You know what? <laughs> she listened. To, she listened to Sinatra's "That's Life" on the way there, and she's like, "You know what? What ah. am I holding on free for?" Uh, yeah. Then I actually have two points here. One is, um, uh, you know, so little known for some of the audience out there that this is the ending you see in the film was not the original ending. The original ending was Jim dying on the way to the hospital. Bit of a bummer. So, by the way, I, I had heard I had heard even a a more depressing detail like oh. ending is that Jim was dying in the car on the way to the hospital 
as his dad's plane was hitting the runway. Oh, look at that. Oh, man. (laughs) They just really turned in the screws on the heartstrings. I like that. Jeez. Oh, cut me deep. So they went back and they decided to reshoot the ending. YK Kim did because Wu-Sang Park had already gone back to Korea. So they got together and they shot it. But, oh, man, lo and behold, the big bad guy, C. Joe, uh, who plays Yoshida, wasn't available. So... Oh, that's why they got the guy who played Jeff, William Ergel, to step in and play Yoshido. I just want the, the ring in here for a second. William Ergel stepped in to play C. Joe. That's why. So I that's what happened. He was yet. gone. They did reshoots. And yeah, for the most part, you can't really tell. I mean, sure, every once in a while, it does look a it's little a, weird. Guy for the audience who hasn't seen it, which, by the way, you should see this movie. Yeah, I mean, look, they, you, you know what the deal is. You know this. Just go watch the damn movie. You'll look in the but, show notes. You'll see where to find it. But it, but yeah, to be fair, it is a white guy standing in for this Asian like martial arts expert. Uh, but they, they are wearing like a full white ninja face covering. Suit. They are. Uh, but it is, there are a couple times during the fight choreography where it becomes painfully apparent when his mask gets pulled down a bit that you're like, oh, there's a beard. The other guy didn't have a beard. Oh, wait, he's also white. So oh, it's so that. clearly a white dude the entire time. You're giving yeah. it too much credit. It is so clearly a white dude. Yeah, very much. Uh, but the biggest what the fuck out of everything to me is this final title card that we're presented with and with such audacity they say only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace well motherfuckers do you know how many people you killed on the way to eliminate violence how how can you (laughs) i know i'm so sorry when you just read it out loud i just just, it got you i'm sorry i'm sorry sean i didn't mean to how can you not take place seriously the most violent, like just balls out movie, and then and then yeah, you're right. It, it's it is balls to end the movie like that. Yeah, that's something special. Like all the everything you just got enjoyment out of. Oh, if only we could eliminate that. Yeah, it's it's just ballsy that they would try to finish the movie, uh, which was oddly. Um, uh, uh, uneven in its message in preaching friendship, love, and peace, yet at the same time, killing motherfuckers like there was no tomorrow. Perhaps if they would have talked more about, you know, how the martial art is used as a form of defense and interconnection, that would be one thing, but I don't think they ever talked about that. Not really. Oh, no. But I bet all of you are wondering where you can watch this masterpiece. Well, at the time of this recording, I can tell you that it is available on Sling TV, Amazon Prime, And you can also get it on YouTube, but I bet you can find a DVD or two somewhere on eBay or one of those places. Uh, I check the show notes for more. uh, I I was trying to show people that hadn't seen it um, last night. I was trying to like give them a a screening. Mm -hmm. And I would say as of this recording, I I found it on Vudu, um, but also Amazon Prime, interestingly enough, has as of this recording taken their regular film version off like they still show the listings but it's trailer only you can't rent it or buy it and uh but you can only watch it in the rift tracks version which is fantastic i had oh god i could bet (laughs) you know i wonder if that means it's catching some fire again and they're going to be doing a blu-ray same thing happened for the very first episode of the show, which was on All American Murder, where for a while this uh, Christopher Walken gem from the early '90s was on Amazon, uh, but only as a full screen version. And then, next thing you know, it disappeared. And lo and behold, two days after we were recording, it showed up as a special edition Blu-ray. It usually means they're making a move. Yeah, they're doing something else. It's a positive so. thing. Who knows? But that's it. Usually, well, usually, it's it's widely available on different platforms. Bring this shit to the world, man. Bring it to the yeah. world. Uh, do you have any? Oh shit! How dare I even try to round this out with without asking the important question? So the thing we try to do on this show, Sean, is it's subversive cinema, and I think that all these movies have a component called the subversive sauce. It's what gives it that that delicious tanginess of unique 
that, that makes it extra subversive. So we want to figure out by looking at these different components of it, of character story and what the fuck, to find out how subversive is this movie and you know how spicy is it on the subversive scale, which is completely arbitrary, of 1 to 10. So let me ask you, how subversive do you think this film is? Man, you know, and there is no wrong answer, by the way. Yeah, um, b- by your subversive scale, it's one thing. But when I think of this movie, I don't think of it as subversive at all. Uh, it, other than, other than, it's um, some of these movies that I that that you and I love that we really laugh at. Mm-hmm. Um, the product of, I love learning about the filmmakers because. Uh, I might laugh at their product, but I find these people, these figures that are trying to make the great American action film or the great American drama, and they fall, fl- even if they fall f- flat on their faces, I find these people inspiring. Oh, um, I do too. I think it's the fact that for movies like this, it's subversion in the sense that they're setting out to make a movie that's going to change the system. It's going to flip things upside down. That's right. what their intention was. Right. Did it get there? I don't know. Nobody ever sets out to make a movie just for fun. When it comes out like this, they set out to change the goddamn world. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I always just start with these sons of bitches went against all logic and they made a movie. Not, not just that. They made a fucking 35 millimeter movie. <laughs> fucking real movie that was in theaters and is now lighting the world on fire like 25 years later or whatever it is. I love that so much and it's so endearing and uh, it brings, I I don't know. I just get a lot of joy out of that. And especially that other, so many other people recognize that and enjoy get It's total entertainment. You cannot deny it's entertainment factor. So, so um, did they change the world with a narrative? No, but did they make a mark? Absolutely. They made a movie and it, and it brought, it's bringing more, it's bringing joy to more and more people as we speak every week of every year. So um, I don't, I don't know if I didn't answer your scale question. Well, here, I'll just tell it to you this way. I would probably give it about a four or a five is what I'd say. Okay. Of subversion. Okay. Subversion. Yeah. You know, it flips some shit on his head and there's some unexpected things. But uh, but you know, yeah, I'd say I'd say okay, I'll go with uh, of breaking the filmmaking rules. It's a, it's probably, it's probably a ten for breaking filmmaking <laughs> rules, but for but for subverting the system or the narrative, it's probably like a three. That's very restrained, and I can appreciate that. That fair? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the good thing about most of the movies that we uh, we talk about here on the show is I think they all break the rules of filming and filmmaking because, frankly, I don't know how many of them knew what they were. So, <laughs> Sean, is there anything you'd like to share about yourself or anything uh, that you want to promote or have people find you or do you just want to leave it as it is? Um, I didn't think about this ahead of time. Um, I know. I'm Sean Owens one on IMDb and uh, I'm an actor. Uh, Suddenly I found myself uh, writing with two writing partners and we're pitching television shows and it's crazy. And I never thought I'd do anything like that, Uh, but primarily I'm an actor. And uh, I will also promote the fact that um, uh, I am involved with a group called Drunken Devil. And uh, normally what they do is they make, they make, um, macabre uh, themed parties that are interactive um, with characters and story and burlesque and live music. And they're very, very fun, but the pandemic obviously uh, made that group sort of pivot. And so now what we're currently doing is uh, we are in the midst of recording our own podcast, um, The Cosmic Game by, by Drunken Devil. And uh, we, ha- we got a write-up uh, recently in The Nerdist, which has sent our, the interest of people listening to the podcast before we even completed it nice. through the roof. So I'm very excited about that because I get to, I'm, throughout one season, I'm going to get to play probably, you know, 10 to 15 different characters, which is really fun. Um, but that's all I have to, uh, 
to pitch right now to promote. That's it. That's all. That's well, like really, like there's not much currently that you can content wise that's coming out except Sean. Sean, that was that was that new thing called sarcasm. Oh, okay, okay, right. I thought you were like I expect more of you, Owens. Damn you! If anything, I expect less of you, Owens. You know this. <laughs> that's, I like to keep expectations very low. Hey, keep the bar low. You'll never disappoint. That's what we. That's the. That's the motto of my other show. But we'll we'll get into that some other time. Uh, Sean, it's been a pleasure going through this wonderful gem from '87 with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, and uh, we'll have you back for some fun stuff. Thank you for over the years, more than any single person I know, introducing me to this, to trash cinema, to subversive cinema, to whatever you want to call it. Like you really, uh, you introduced me to Neil Breen, which I am eternally uh, thankful for. He'll be a huge uh, character in season two. I'll tell you that. But, but just so many movies that we share the, the love of where we can laugh at it. But like we discussed, we're, we're sort of almost inspired by yeah. the great American filmmakers that just are doers. So Absolutely. thank you for that. I, thanks for having me. And, and I really do appreciate it. Rock and roll. So until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.